98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Well, Finn Lizzie on this Friday. The boys are back in town. God, this song always made me happy. This song always would get me, get me going. This is one of those songs, certain songs you just crank the volume up, right? This was a certain uh, songs. It's a good weekend song. It's a good weekend song with your buddies. Yeah. Certain songs be like, okay, I'm going full volume here. Like full volume. As loud as I can hear it. We just laughed about the place. Oh man. <laughs> we just spell yeah. Down at Dino's bar and grill. Love it. Thin Lizzie. All right, we uh, we got Cardinals preseason tomorrow against the Titans. And the Cardinals roster, while strong in some areas, is certainly devoid of some talent in others. And a lot of people are concerned right now at cornerback. A lot of people are concerned at edge rusher. More concerned with cornerback because of the Antonio Hamilton situation, of which we really don't know. Cliff Kingsbury is, is not saying anything until they have to come up with the injury report next week. So no information that we have on Antonio Hamilton right now. The Cardinals, when you look at the depth chart on at cornerback, they are they are struggling in there. It is it is an area of concern right now. You've got Marco Wilson, you've got Byron Murphy, you've got Antonio Hamilton, but now you've got to wonder is Hamilton gonna be good to go? Is he gonna be ready for that week one game? There are veteran cornerback options out there, Gambo, and I think if you were waiting for the price to drop I think the time is now that you would sign one of these guys. So the fact that you haven't means that it might not just be about dropping the price. It means we're not sure these guys can play anymore. And when I say we're, I mean I mean Steve and the organization. I mean the Joe Hayden, Janoris Jenkins, Xavier Rhodes, Robert Alford, Kevin K. Like these, I mean, those are those are guys that have played at a really high level yeah. in the league. But obviously they are no, no Kevin Kevin Kings out anymore. there. I mean, there's, there's a number of cornerbacks out there. They just didn't feel like any of those guys are any better than the guys that they have. I've heard from what I've heard all along that they've been trying to make a trade for a guy. Like, that's where they feel like they could get a more quality player than somebody as a street free agent. Remember the other thing about guys that are that are free agents right now? They're not pr- playing. They're not practicing. They're home, right? They're probably working out at a high school football field with some buddies, guys that they know. But if you do make a trade for somebody that's in camp right now that, you know, maybe somebody that's on the verge of getting cut and you don't want that guy to just be out there as a free agent where anybody can get him. Hey, look, I'll give you a pick for him, and that way I make sure I get him. That guy's ready. He's in shape, you know. He may take a little time to learn your defense, but he's in shape. He's ready to go rather than a guy that's sitting at home right now. But remember, he had, now listen, everybody's different. Doesn't mean just because one guy had success, another guy will, but guys like John Abraham and Dwight Freeney and Antonio Cromartie, these guys were you know, all signed at different stages of training camp or early on uh, in the season. In Freeney's case, I think it was even after the season yeah. began, and they were all up there in years, uh, and they, they came in and played very, very well in their limited time on, on the Arizona Cardinals. I just think at some point, obviously, they're going to have to do something. Their options are, as we talked about, making a trade for a guy who's currently on a roster, or as I like to call it, dumpster dive after cut down day, try to find somebody on the waiver wire that you think can help your football team, uh, or again, sign one of these veteran guys and hope that they still have some legs and again, can help you win a football game on Sunday. Because right now, Gambo, I mean, you look at the depth chart and listen, it was bleak when Antonio Hamilton was presumably healthy. 
Now, if there are any question marks there, it becomes a major weakness. It becomes a, I'm an offensive coordinator. I'm targeting these quarterbacks early and often. I'm not running the ball three of my first four times against the Cardinals. No, and who, so I'm, I'm Patrick Mahomes. I'm getting ready for week one. I'm looking at the Cardinals. Okay. I am going to test you right from the get go. Eight out of my first 10 plays are going to be pass plays. I want to see what's out there. I want to see what you got. I want to see if I can exploit that weakness if that's the case. I mean, you got some good quarterbacks you're going up against. You got some good wide receivers you're going up against. Look at that schedule. Yes, I'm Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes in week one. Devontae you don't think Adams. Andy, you don't think Andy Reid's going to target those cornerbacks right away with Devontae? Devontae Adams in, in, in week two. Right. And then week three, you got Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. Then you get a little break, presumably, with Baker Mayfield. Carr's, Carr's going to do it. I, that's, uh, that's, Carr's going to do it. Mahomes is going to do it. These guys, They are going to target these corners just to see. Now, if the Cardinals cornerbacks hold up, Great. You know, great. But they're going to want to know. It's it's like it's like a boxing match. You want to go out there right away and you want to see if your opponent can take your best shot. I, I want to know early if you can handle that power. I want to know if you can handle that. So I'm going to come at you. I'm not going to feel you out for three rounds. I kind of want to know early whether I can get to you or not. Because if I know that I can get to you, that changes the whole complexion. If, if Patrick Mahomes or, or, or Derek Carr if these guys come out and they, they target the Cardinals cornerbacks and the secondary and they have some success early, it could make for a long day. Now, can the Cardinals trade for a guy? They are working on it. They would they would very much like to trade for a cornerback. Cut down days are coming up cut down days are coming up. Probably most teams will make their cuts on Sunday. So it's very likely they'll add somebody that gets cut as well. But can they pull somebody off of a roster via trade? That could be a better player than what you could get on the, you know, on on the cut wire list. And what kind of trade, aside from draft picks, what kind of trade capital do the Cardinals have that would prompt another team to do a deal? They're in good shape there. No, yeah, but knowing knowing the fact that teams don't like to just deal away good cornerbacks who can help you win games. But on it's Sunday, that, so like, I was looking at the I was looking at the 49ers, right? And this is fascinating to me. So the 49ers have have a they have the top. So look at the edge, right? Look at their edge guys. They've got their top three: Nick Bosa, Samson Bukum, and uh, and Drake Jackson, the impressive rookie. After that, they got a lot of good players: Charles Omenhu, uh Hyder. Uh, uh, they've got like three other guys: Hyder, Torre, and Willis, that are all good. Alex Barrett as well. They're going to have to cut a good edge player or two because they've got they have eight edge rushers. They're not keeping all of them. The first three are locks. Then they'll keep two more. They're going to end up having to cut or trade a couple of like quality. Ed- now these guys are going to get may get that may get cut by the 49ers. Could be a your third or fourth pass rusher on another team. Well, you, yeah, you, now you're talking about edge rushers, though. Cornerback is a is a, a little yeah. bit of a more premier position. Trying to find guys that you know can play in the league and, and play at a listen. Let's not even let's not get let's not get greedy. You don't need somebody to play at a high level. <laughs> you need somebody that can play at a, at an average to decent level right. at this point. Can you hold up? Can, yeah, you, can hold you hold up? up? Can you make a play? 
Can you? Yeah, can you you've got to figure. Can you get in somebody's way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have Tyree Kill in Week One, but you get Devontae Adams in the next week. You got to figure some of these. There's going to be some wide receivers that are able to put up some big numbers. Now, the Cardinals are also going to have Isaiah Simmons play some corner. Okay, so that may help them a little bit that he's able to go out there and play some cornerback. And they are set at safety. They've got great safeties in Buddha and Jalen. So whether that you know how much that helps them is yet to be seen because one on you know when you go one on one coverage with some of these corners, that's going to be the concern. For the Cardinals. The Arizona Diamondbacks. We're going to go in the booth with Brandon Webb and talk about this amazing streak that Zach Allen is on right now. That's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Burns and Gambo talk Diamondbacks baseball with a D-backs broadcaster. The booth. The booth. Welcome back to the show. It's in the booth. We catch up with a D-backs broadcaster every week. And Tim Ring filling in for Bernsey. And today I told Mitch yesterday, I said, look, you got to get Brandon Webb. we got to talk about this incredible scoreless inning streak of Zach Gallen. And a guy who's done it a couple of times, he's got the record for the D-backs with 42 innings of scoreless baseball. Brandon Webb. B-Webb joins us on the program. Brandon, how are you, my friend? I'm good, guys. What's going on? I got, just got to ask you, 27 and a third innings. As you're watching this, does it bring back memories of the, the two streaks that you had, the one of 42 innings and then the other one of 30? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, Zach Gallon, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's quality. I love watching him pitch. I, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that he does it. He, he's so smart. He executes his pitches remarkably. Um, his fastball is above mid ninety. You know, mid nineties fastball. He, you know, when he misses, he you know he misses on on the pitcher side. He he paints. I saw his last game there in Kansas City. I think he went six innings there, scoreless. Uh, got in a little bit of a bite, but he's just uh, he's a good one there. I've heard Dan Heron talk uh, you know a lot of praise about him uh, and stuff. That he's he's uh, he's a, he's a good one. How do you when you're going through the streak and you had a forty two inning scoreless streak that started on. July 20th and went through August 17th in 2007. And then in 2008, you had another one. Uh, 2006, excuse me, you had one of 30 innings. As you're going through it, is it in the back of your mind that, man, I haven't given up a run, I want to keep this thing going? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Rem- I, honestly, I don't really. And, and we talked about this a little bit ago. Uh, me and Todd did um, about the thirty inning one. Uh, I think it ended in in New York with Carlos Beltran getting a getting an RBI single or something like that. But I don't really even remember that one. I do rem- obviously. I remember the forty two. Um, that was, and it, you know, I've done. I got to do some cool things. That is, uh, that was one of the the coolest things I did. That was pretty unbelievable. Um, I mean, it was a long time, you know, that, that that I went there. Five starts or so, and three of them were complete game shutouts in a row. It was just a, it's just a time where, you know, me, uh, anybody that throws a streak like this together is everything's going your way. I know last or last start, Gallon had a guy thrown out at home plate, right. stuff like that. It's just kind of like right. a no hitter. You got to have some help. You got to have some defense. Uh, you know, things have to happen in your way, and. Uh, and fortunately for me, it did up into 42 innings. But it's, uh, 
20, I don't know where he's, and I think I read too that he's starting to think about it a little bit. Um, and that's probably this is probably where the point where I did as well. I'm like, man, I got you know I got a pretty good thing going on here, but it's like every pitch goes where you want, all the breaks go your way. Um, it's a, it's a fun time, no doubt. Hey, Brandon. Speaking of thinking, tell me about the the mental makeup of Gallon from where you sit. You know, I talked to Tori about this earlier in the year. Just you know, not only this guy's ability to be the ace of the staff going forward, but as you know, being an ace not only about is not only about the left arm or the right arm, but also what's between the ears. Uh, Zach Gallon seems yeah. to have that mentality uh, that lends one to believe that this guy can be the horse, the ace, the stopper, however you want to phrase it. From where you sit, the mental makeup of Gallon, what impresses you? Yeah, 100%. I think he'll be the guy when he's healthy. He's been unbelievable. I know when he came over uh, from Florida there, he I forget the streak, 24 games without giving up so many earned runs. It was, you know, it was it was incredible. He he's been he's been awesome every time every time he goes out there, he's great and when he's healthy. Um, but as far as mentality wise, I think he's for sure got it. Uh, stuff wise, 100%. Mentality wise, I think he 100% has it too. Like he doesn't get he doesn't get like frustrated. Like no matter what happens, and he's not out there getting hit around very often. But when he's out there, so you can't, you can't, you don't know if he's winning, you know, by five or losing by five. He's got a super good makeup. I think, uh, I think his worth ethic is amazing. Um, and like I said earlier, he's he's really smart uh, as he thinks along, you know, with with uh, with the count and with the hitter and, and the situation that's going on. What he needs to do. He's been dropping a lot of curveballs lately, getting a kind of swing and misses like I need to strike out right here well, he's able to get that uh, and, and again the execution is it's, it's kind of like Matt to me it's like, he's like a Maddox that throws a little harder uh, like a like a uh, uh, who else? You know, somebody that just really just paints and and, and knows exactly what he's trying to do, and doesn't uh, you know doesn't stray from his from uh, what he's trying to do very often. He, he, he's 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 the guy. He's the real deal. Yeah, visiting with Brandon Webb. Brandon, let's move to tonight's guy, Tommy Henry. Now, last time out against the Cardinals at home, uh, not too bad. I, mm-hmm. I do I do bring up at home uh, because the road has not been great for young Tommy Henry's. The ERA is over six. His last two outings away from home at Colorado at Cleveland uh, not great yeah. uh, again you know your impressions of him what you like and where do you see room for improvement when he takes that ball every fifth day yeah no uh, I, I watched the the St. Louis game that's a that's a that's a big league lineup right there it's tough um, and obviously I know he pitched in Colorado I watched a bit of that too that's a tough place to pitch he's a young guy that, that that's moved up pretty quickly uh, I know over the last couple starts got to get on to his fastball his fastball's great um, and I, he started throwing some more change-ups I think it was in that St. Louis game getting some swings and misses the arm action was great I think that's a huge pitch that should be in left hand he's going to see a lot of right-handed hitters uh, you know with, with the you know above average fastball if he uses that same arm action with that change of like I saw in St. Louis I, I think uh, he, he's going to be good uh, again he's, he's young the breaking ball's good too uh, it's still early on to, to kind of see where where he's going to be but 
you know, as of right now, I think he's, he's shown well. Bumgarner's allowed at least five runs in each of his last five starts. He's going to miss this start. They're going to skip it to try to work with some things and get him right. What What's happening there? I mean, has he just lost it? Is there an ability to get him back to what he once was? Or are the Diamondbacks in some trouble knowing that he's got two years left on that contract? <laughs> I mean, I think... Uh for me, you know, early on, he was pretty good. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be the guy that we, you know, in 2014. He's not. We, we've seen that. It's it's not going to be there. The velocity's been up. That's good, you know. He's he's up. He's throwing 90, 91 miles an hour. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like now he's getting hit where he's he's just not missing bats. He's not. I think he's getting to the, you know, the two-strike count sometimes. He just doesn't have that put-away pitch right now. And if he does, you know, he's, he's missing with it over the plate. And he's getting hurt. Um, I mean, it's it's. I, I don't think he's a lost cause, man. I mean, I think he's going to be uh, a guy that's still going to be able to go out there and give. Because we saw it, you know, I don't know, halfway through the year, I think he was decent. I think he was, uh, you know, three and a half ERA roughly, which is uh, yep. pretty good. So, yeah. Now it's not four and a half by, by any means. <laughs> yeah. Now it's four. Yeah. Now it's look, it's four and a half. You know, so, obviously something went wrong, uh, and it's not like you fall off the table. That that quick and be like, oh, you know, I'm I'm over the hill and done. I can't get anybody out. Uh, you know, and we've seen him over the last couple of years tinker with some stuff mechanically and, and all that. And I think they kind of go back. Well, they're going back to the drawing board and start from scratch. But they're going to go, you know, look in the bullpen and and see if they can't, uh, you know, you know, tighten some stuff up. Yeah, that's a problem too, right? Every time they look in the bullpen, 31 losses that leads Major League Baseball. Why is it? Why is it so difficult to build a good bullpen in today's day and age in baseball? I know. I just, it costs money. Tough. I mean, <laughs> it does. It costs money. It, it, it's those, you know, the last, you know, three, two, three innings, they're the tough ones. And we, we I heard them talking about there. It, it, this is how it is. You know, starters, we go out there, we give up a run or two or three or four in the first inning. There's time. There's time to come back, you know, but it, it's really, you know, those last innings where I don't think they gave up four runs there to, to lose. It was an ugly one, but, uh, you know, it's it's stressful innings where you have to have some guys that, that go out there and, and are not phased, to, you know, to go after the hitters. I know walks have been an issue, giving free, you know, free passes in those late innings is just brutal. So it's tough to watch. Um, it's uh, That's where they've been losing the game, honestly. I think they're, what, 10 games under or something right now, roughly. I mean, they could they could easily be you know even. So those those uh, the bullpen is where they really struggle. Not just this year; it's been it's been several years in a row. Yeah, and Webby, that September schedule don't hide your eyes. It's 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 not for the fate. I got listen. Speaking of September, I got one more for you before we let you go. September first call ups are coming. Yep. Obviously, I thought Mike Hazen was pretty diplomatic about it here on the station uh, a few days ago, saying. Yeah, you know, we want to get a look at some young guys, but our major league roster is filled with young guys that we need to continue to yeah. evaluate and get reps. If you're put your put your GM or your managerial hat on for a second, how would you approach September when it comes to playing time uh, with call ups and the guys that are already here? Yeah, and they are young. Um, and in the, the last, you know, few weeks, it's been fun. I mean, they're playing different ball. They're like, you know, scoring, they're bunting, they're stealing bases. These guys are young. You got a lot of energy. They're fast. Uh, they play with a lot of excitement. They are. They're young. They need the reps. 
Um, not a lot of them have a ton of reps. Uh, you know, when when and if they do call up some some guys, you know, it's going to be a young team for a while, I think. So, any reps that these guys can get, or any time around the big league, uh, you know, clubhouse level games, watching whatever it may be, uh, I think it's only going to you know help them in the long run. So I, I say call them up and give them a, give them just a, a little bit. We call it a cup of coffee, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it. But you know, get them a little bit of experience at least that way when they're called up, there's not like a shell shock to them. All right, B Webb, listen, we appreciate it. That uh, I, I think your 42 scoreless inning streak is going to stay intact, but we'll keep our eye on Zach Gallon to see if he can get close yeah, to just it. Jinxed it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate the watch. time. All yeah. right. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. That's Brandon Webb uh, as we go in the booth with a D backs broadcaster. Wanted to get him on just talk about that Perfect. incredible streak with Zach Allen. Over 27 innings of scoreless baseball. B Webb, think about 42 innings. Think about 42 innings. And that's three at three complete game shutouts in there. Just incredible. Uh, that's Brandon Webb joining us on the program. Uh, always appreciate his time as we talked about that scoreless streak. ASU, U of A, the predictions are in. They don't look very good. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Predictions. Got Utah eleven and one overall, followed by Oregon at nine and three, USC at nine and three, UCLA at nine and three. Um, that Oregon State seven and five, Washington State seven and five, Washington six and six, Arizona at five and seven. California five and seven, Stanford four and eight, Colorado two and ten, and then Arizona State. He has Arizona State at two and ten, and last in the Pac twelve with a one and eight with a one and eight record. And I looked at that. I know a lot of people are holding out hope that ASU can be mediocre, you know, four and five, five and four in the conference, you know, just, you know, hang around enough. They, they lost some key players. There's no question about it, but they added some quality transfers too. But, uh, Stuart Mandel, one and eight for Arizona State and three and nine overall. And it says, obviously, coach most likely to get fired. Herm Edwards says Ray Anderson had stood behind his longtime pal throughout an ugly NCAA recruiting scandal, but Edwards' transfer-depleted team may prove to be his downfall. It also says uh, with a note that he may retire before Anderson has to fire him. So, interesting there when you look at that. I, you know, I mean, I don't know that Arizona State's going to finish with the worst record in this conference. It's very, very possible because we just, is Emory Jones going to be ready? Who's their wide receivers? Well, they lost Ricky Pearsall. Who's their wide receivers? And Got a bunch of tight, like, I got some size at tight end. You brought up Jones, though, Gambo, so I think it's important. Look, uh, expectations are not high. Let's not kid ourselves. I have no idea how many conference games they're going to win, but I'd like to see Emory Jones play football here in Tempe a little bit. He's an exciting kid. He turns the ball over a lot, right, but, but he's I, an exciting player. Right. But before I start saying, oh, they're going to lose this game and they're going to lose that game, let me tell you something. It, Stuart, or, listen, Stuart Mandel, 
whatever, okay, because I've had a love-hate relationship with him <laughs> and his writing and his predicting for years, okay? Ooh. He's out there a little bit. Listen, he's ascended to great heights in the industry. Kudos to you, Stu Mandel, but some of your takes have been way off the mark. Okay, but if ASU goes 1-8, and eight, then, then Herm should, after the final well, game, just given. walk in, pack everything up, and leave. That's given, because let, let's, let's be real clear on this. They have NAU and Eastern Michigan on the schedule in two of their first three games. Gamble, I would be shocked. If no, they, they should win those games. Of course they, they should sh- win those two, but they're, gonna, they're going to lose that, the Oklahoma you, State game. Of course, but like what, what Stuart Mandel is saying with his three and nine. That is, they're only going to win one other conference they're only, game. They're only going to win one conference right. game in, in the Pac-12. Now, and that's where I, I take a step back and I'm like, man, let me see this kid play quarterback a little bit before I go that far. Having said all that, they've been depleted by the portal. They've been depleted. Their coaching staff has been a turn Jaden Daniels gone. Ricky Pierce. So did Jaden Daniels tell us? Ricky gone. Pierce, Ola, Florida. Gentry to USC. LB Bunkley, Shelton, Oklahoma. Uh, Jermaine Lowe to Louisville. Chip trained him to Ohio State. Then you throw in the injuries. They just lost Michael Matus to a knee injury. He's out for the season. Now, that's the one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is they did get Emory Jones from Florida. They got a running back out of Wyoming um, that's supposed to be pretty good. They've got a defensive lineman out of Miami and Nesta Jade Silvera. They've got the a wide receiver from Virginia Union, supposed to be a burner, and one from Vandy, and they got a tight end from Mizzou. So, you know, they actually, they, they lost a lot of key players. They brought some players in. Now, I don't know if these players are any good or not. That's, I mean, I don't know if the these problem. guys, I just don't know. Just because they came from some other Division One school Mizzou, doesn't, doesn't Mizzou, mean they can Miami, play. Miami, Wyoming, Florida, we know tra- Vandy. We know, right, we know Tranium and, and Pearsall and Gentry, and these guys are good. Good. We, good. We, we knew they were good. We right. have no idea if these are, just because you came from Missouri, that that tells me it tells me nothing. New but, offensive coordinator, new but, defensive coordinator again. But again. listen, there are swing games. I think in, in the in the pack. And the way I look at it, like, look, they're not going to beat Utah. They're not going to beat USC. They're probably not going to beat UCLA or Washington State. But you get into those swing games. Like, what do they do against Washington, Stanford, Colorado, Washington, or, uh, 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 Oregon State, and Arizona? If they lose all those swing games, Stuart Mandel's going to be dead on. They're going to finish 3-9. and nine. If they win a few of those, I think this team could possibly top out at 6-6. Six and six. And, it, and it doesn't matter if they do. It'll be the final year of Herm Edwards' yeah. uh, reign here. Listen. He'll retire. Ray's not going to fire Herm. No. He's going to let no. him let walk him retire. Away, let, let him, him retire. retire, and they'll try to start over again, and they'll take their punishment, whatever it may be. They'll try to get a young coach in here who's willing to you know, take on the, the, the punishment. And, and they're the, going to end up being fine. You know what? Because they, they'll just end up being fine. Now, what is fine for ASU? I mean, you know, okay, ESPN, their prediction is 6-6 six and six and then 4-5. and 6-6 six and six overall, 4-5 and five in the conference. It's not a bowl team. They're not going to win. A, they're not going to shock the world and win a lot more games than anybody thinks. But once this investigation is over, then they can turn the page. I, I totally agreed with bringing Herm back. A lot of people wanted Herm fired. I don't. I don't agree with that. Not while the investigation is still ongoing. Who are you going to get? Who is going to co- who are you going to go hire to coach this team while this investigation is going on and all your players are leaving? But you're going to be in that same position in December. I understand. But at least if the understand. investigation is over, you know you have concrete evidence of what punishment there will be. 
true. You could also make the case. I, I tend to agree with you. I'm just let me play devil's advocate. You could actually send a message to your fan base that this is unacceptable. What's happening here? Like we're not going to put up with what is the only way place to do that is in, have in, an in interim coach, but not hire a coach. You could not have hired a coach because you're not going to get quality. So you've got to get past that. To de- now, okay, right, okay. and there's we no dealt de- with all the BS. Now we're going to turn the corner here. We had all the guys transfer, and we had the punishment. Now we could move ahead because it's all. I think you could have went interim if you wanted to get rid of Herm. I don't think you say okay, we're going to hire a new coach because again, it's right. not a good job but right now. There was nobody it, on staff in position to really be the interim. That's the court, because the they, coordinators they, they are lost new. Zach Hill and, and they veteran, lost Antonio Pierce. Yes, and their veteran coaches are not, they're just not interim head coach material. There was nobody you could say, all right, listen, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to, for public relations reasons, we're going to move Herm out. We're going to give this guy the job for a year, and then we're going to find a new coach. That's why Herm coming back was the right decision. Right. I just and, think but you, just get the investigation over, so that way, when the season's over, when you do start your search for a new head coach, you know you've got something. The coach doesn't have to ask questions. What's going to happen to you guys? You're going to. You're going to listen. At the end of the day, money talks. And any coordinator who's making $300,000 when he's offered $3 million to coach ASU is going to take the he's job. He's going to take the job, uh, you know, probation or not. Yeah, unless, So you're going to get a guy. Unless, <laughs> listen, there's some people that really believe in, I'm not going to take a bad job. So if this is looked at as a bad job, you're not going to get any of those top guys because they, they don't want to put themselves in a position where their first job, they fail. And if they're in a good spot and they're making good money, they might stay where they are until the right opportunity arises. A lot of coaches feel that way. Because if you blow it on your first hire, you may not get a second hire. So I don't know what kind of candidate they're going to get. Remember, they've gone old with Dennis Erickson. They've gone middle with Todd Graham. They've got young with Dirk Cutter. Back to old with, you know, with uh, Herm. So I, do you go? You're not getting the best candidate out there. No oh, matter. No, I don't care if he's a no. coordinator or a special teams coach. When this all goes down in December, likely you are not going to have your pick of the cream of the crop of up and coming candidates. You're going to have to go to tier two or tier three. Find a guy that's willing to take it on. Find a guy who's excited about the opportunity. Find a guy who wants to go from making maybe five hundred grand a year to making two point eight million a year. Sure. Probably a lot of coaches like that out there that are willing to, you know, go out there and try to take their stab at running a Pac twelve program. But you are not getting the cream of the crop candidates at Arizona State as they likely head to some type of probation after this investigation sorts itself out. When you lead the league in batting average home runs and RBIs, you end up winning a triple crown. And there's a former Diamondback that is maybe on the verge of doing that. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. I don't think people are upset about the success Paul Goldschmidt is having. I think it, you know, it, it sucks that at 35 years old he's having this year, and you know Luke Weaver is on the Kansas City Royals now, and um, you know Carson Kelly is still trying to establish himself as the everyday catcher on this team. But Paul Goldschmidt, right now, with what he's done, has put himself in line. And we haven't talked about this because this wasn't the case. 
But he now leads the league in batting at 339. He's second in home runs with 33, and he's first in RBIs with 105. That means the Triple Crown watch is on. Paul Goldschmidt, your very likely MVP winner in the National League, former Diamondback, has the potential to win the Triple Crown. Well, I'm pissed. You're pissed? I'm still pissed they traded him. Absolutely. Okay. I, you know, we, Are you pissed that they traded him, or yeah, you're pissed what they got yeah, back from him? Yeah, because you're a major league ball club in a major market, and you got one of the best players in baseball. Pay the man. Pay the man and build around him. Yeah. This, this, I, this nonsense, I, you know, I, listen, we, you and I went through this in 2018. We don't need to pick that scab. I was against it then, and I'm certainly mm-hmm. against it now, and especially now that their scouting department blew the evaluations on the guys they got back for him. I'm really against it. Yeah, Weaver just got hurt and was never the same. Um, so it just it, it didn't work out. I mean, it was a terrible trade. I mean, the Cardinals hit the jackpot on that trade. It didn't work out. Goldschmidt had two years left on his contract for about $25 million. He was making like $12 million a year. He wanted a five-year extension from the Diamondbacks with $175 million in new money. So he wanted $200 million total. That's what he wanted. He didn't get that in St. Louis. He didn't get anywhere close to that. But from the Diamondbacks, because he felt that he had been underpaid for so many years, if he was going to stay in Arizona, he kind of wanted to make that up. If that makes any sense, he wanted to make it up a little bit. So he wanted $200 million in new money. When he signed with the Cardinals, it was like $130 million. You pay the guy, Gambo. I mean, first of all, he's, he was a homegrown product. He, even though he wasn't, even though he didn't have the biggest mm-hmm. personality, he was a good guy to have the face of the franchise, right? He didn't he didn't wow you like a Barkley or a Kurt Warner publicly, but he was a good guy. And also, at the end of the day, you're also trying to sell tickets. Paul Goldschmidt's a guy, a player that you pay to watch play. Forty five million dollars more is what it would have cost them. He signed for one thirty with the Cardinals. It would have taken one seventy five in new money from Arizona, so it would have been forty five million dollars. But that's over five years. That's over five years. You know, from the organization that blew $60 million on Yosemite Tomas Tomas and $20 million on Johan Lopez and all the money that has been thrown out the window... You lose Goldschmidt, and again, this on hindsight, it looks they they absolutely did back. back, But I didn't like it in 2018, and I said it right here in this seat. I didn't like it. It's like, Mike, you know, listen, are you a major league ball club or not? You know, you got a guy like that. You keep him. You sign him. Yeah. I just, I just, I just never ah. agreed with it. I never liked it. I, I and, and the fact that now nobody has panned out, it's even worse. It's even worse. Yeah. Well, you know, in 2016, when the new regime came in and had full control over the roster, at that point, they had no interest in trading Paul Goldschmidt. That was 2016. Then you go through the 17 season and you get to 18 and, you know, things obviously changed. And obviously they made a, they made a terrible trade. And you, I was, I was at the game on Saturday and obviously Pujols hit the two home runs and had the four hits and it was fantastic. But there's still a lot of love for Paul Goldschmidt. There's nobody rooting against Paul Goldschmidt. I think a lot of Diamondback fans would like to see him have that success and win, you know, win the Triple Crown and win the MVP award. I mean, he's on pace to hit 339, 42 bombs, 135 RBIs, and technically on pace now to win the Triple Crown. I mean, it's just, and obviously win the MVP. And he's, he's, he's a spectacular player. You know, he, he, he dipped a little bit statistically. For a while there, but 
the proof is in the pudding now. This, yeah. this guy, this 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 guy is. Listen, he's the best hitter in baseball this year. But make no mistake, he's one of the best hitters in the game. Well, now and has been for a long time. And now you start talking about a Hall of Fame career. If he wins a Triple Crown, if he wins an MVP award, you start to put those numbers together. You're talking about a guy that may end up in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I, I think it's beyond May. I, I don't mean, think it's definite yet, but oh, I think like if you add man. the MVP. Poll question for tomorrow or for Monday. I think we may have even done that as a poll question. He's Didn't going we? to he's we'll going, have Eric check that out now he's and chime going in. to the Hall of Fame. I think he will be too oh, because absolutely. he's got you know, you gotta figure he's gonna play for three more years. He's thirty five now, will play at thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight. He he may add another hundred home runs and put him at I think he's got what, three hundred I mean, he may end up with four hundred plus home runs. So I think there's a really good chance that that he'll get there. Whether like if he stopped playing today, does he get there? If he stopped playing right now, is he a Hall of Fame player? I think that's debatable. Probably debatable, but I would say I mean I, yeah. Yeah, because he listen, the, the the numbers are good and he he's he's been clean, quote unquote. The, the team success may have not have always been there for him. But I would say, boy, if he stopped playing today, then you're talking maybe borderline. But I would still say yes. But when it's all said and done, if he's performing at a high level like this, the what is he, 35? 30, 35. 35? Can he I mean, do it for two more years, play at a high level? And, and he, I mean, he doesn't have to be in the, in the, the, on the verge of a triple crown kind of level. you know. But if he hits 30, 35 home runs for the next couple of years, I mean, he's a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame. Shoo-in. We've got the poll results here. The question is simple. Will Paul Goldschmidt end up in the Hall of Fame? 70.8% say, say yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, and you throw on an MVP, which he's going to win the MVP. He's going to win the MVP. And if he gets a, if he gets the triple, like I'm almost rooting for him now, even though it's, I, I mean, we're past the point of, you know, does the trade look bad for the Diamondbacks? It's, there's nothing you could do. It's over. Like the trade looks terrible. For that. It's a, some people have said it's one of the worst trades ever, um, that they made there. And it, it, that, look, it's Paul Goldschmidt, but nobody expected Paul Goldschmidt to be doing this at 35 in a year. This is the best season he's had with the Cardinals. Couple, couple things. He wasn't an all-star any of those years he got to say he was good. He was good, but he wasn't like this. Come on. Go look at his first few years at the Cardinals. He was good. He was a good player. He was wasn't good. an all-star. No, no. His, his statistics dipped. There's no question was, but he about was it. But he was still good. He's still good. This is ridiculous what he's doing this year. Every player who has ever won the National League Triple Crown is in the Hall of Fame. Over the last month, in late July... Goldschmidt passed Tony Perez, George Sisler, David Ortiz, and Hank Greenberg in career war. All four are in the Hall of Fame. Who are those four? Per- Tony Perez. Tony Perez. Big Red Machine. George Sisler. Yep. Wow. Uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, and Hank Greenberg. Tigers. Yeah. So you talk about you know, a lot of times voters will compare and contrast when looking at somebody's candidacy. candidacy. And Goldschmidt wins the Triple Crown. I mean, rubber stamp yeah, to Cooperstown. Yeah, absolutely. The Arizona Cardinals, their roster decisions are going to be coming down in the next 24 to 48 hours. We'll talk about some guys that are in the bubble next right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.